As the unstoppable crypto tide rolls forward, we're seeing more and more governments attempt to make decisions as to how they're going to manage the blockchain beast. More oppressive or regressive nations are opting to outlaw cryptocurrency. Others are exploring its potential with a cautiously optimistic outlook. But at least one country is embracing blockchain to the extreme, going so far as to label itself the blockchain island. That country is Malta. And today, you'll meet Silvio Shembri, Malta's junior minister for financial services, digital economy, and innovation. Rachel Wolfson had the opportunity to sit down with Silvio on a recent trip to the tiny island, and you'll be greatly encouraged as you discover what they're doing to welcome blockchain technology into their culture. It's fascinating stuff, so let's set sail for the blockchain island in episode number 158 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Episode 158. How about episode 150? Great. Am I right? <laughs> Am I right? The Bad Crypto Podcast. And welcome. It is great to be here and great that you're listening and great to be co hosting this show with you, Mr. Travis, right? Man, we are keeping the train going. Uh, year number two begins now. Yeah, so, you know, when we had the birthday show last week or anniversary, I don't know which it was. It was an anniversary and a birthday. Birth anniversary. We, we pre-recorded the beginning and the end of the show and then sandwiched the interviews from the attendees to the party in between. But we haven't really had a chance to talk about that. So we're going to do that today and we're going to play a great interview that Rachel Wolfson had with the Junior Minister for Financial Services, Digital Economy and Innovation uh, while she was in Malta. That's uh, Silvio Shembri. Uh, but first, let's let's but talk first, a little bit about our sponsor. Did you say, did you say sandwich? <laughs> yeah, Sam, oh, are you eating? I think you said. Mr. Travis Wright is, is, is eating while podcasting. Uh, don't try this at home, folks. <laughs> you triggered me. You know, you keep eating, and I'm going to talk about New Alchemy. You've heard us talk about them before, and I'm going to talk about them again because they are the sponsor of the Bad Crypto Podcast, and we're really glad they are. This is a top-notch team that are well-known within the industry for their economic modeling expertise in the crypto space. They employ, get this, game theory to design token strategies for their ICO clients that inspire action, encourage growth of users, and build a self-sustaining token ecosystem. You can check them out for yourself if you or anyone you love is going to have an ICO, or even if you dislike them. Newalchemy.io is the place to go to. How's your sandwich? <laughs> what are you eating? I have to know now. I got some Schlotzkys. Mmm, Schlotzkys is tasty. It's the, the, the bread. Mm. Yeah, well, I'm getting ready to go on another fast, and so I said, you know what? I would like to give me some Schlotzkys. They have some of this these mac and cheese there that is amazing. This brisket mac and cheese that is so good. So I wanted to get that. So you're slowing before you fast again. I'm slowing. I'm fat. I'm fatsing. You looked fatsing, really good. You could definitely you could definitely see the uh, the the inches coming off your waist, and that was good to see you. And it was great. Your eyes off my waist, Mister Joel. No, no, I'm I'm watching your waist. <laughs> it's inspiring. 
uh, waste not, want not, you know, yeah. that's what I say. Yeah, I've been working out too, you know, I figured that if I was on the path that I was on, I probably are going to, you know, limit the amount of awesomeness that I get to live life. And so I figured, how about, you know, clean out my system, work out, gain some strength and add 20 years to my life, I figure. Yeah, it's a great plan. I want to well, annoy you all as much as possible. <laughs> it showed when I saw you here just last week and, uh, you know, huge shout out to everybody that attended our birthday party. And to those of you that wanted to and couldn't, um, shout out to you as well. But for those of you that registered to come and then you didn't show up, no shout out. No shout out to them. You get a shout out. <laughs> Well, if you weren't there, you missed out on the freebies. Uh, you know, there was bad coin and there was stellar lumens for those that came via airplane or drove more than 200 miles. And speaking of that, I, I over 200 miles. I didn't get any lumens. You get nothing and like it. I was blown away at the number of people that came from a distance that flew in or drove in. I mean, we had uh, from a from, distance from California, mm -hmm. from Texas, Buffalo, from Buffalo, New York, New York, Ohio, uh, and, and others. Like this couple <laughs> looking for Mars. <laughs> so strange. It was really very humbling to hear how this podcast has impacted the lives of many people who uh, who enjoy listening to it. And, and Dude, it, it just was so awesome. So many cool people. And we had a chance to interview a lot of them. And, you know, I tell you what, it's kind of it's it was really humbling to see how we've impacted people like, man, it's like so many people would come up and they'd say, like, we'd inspired them to maybe do a podcast of their own or we inspired them to to get more crypto into their business or we inspired them to be an entrepreneur. Or something. Like, it's just it's amazing that when when you're doing stuff and it's like Mr. Joel Com says, doing good stuff, we're inspiring other people to take action. Really, we just took massive action as created this podcast. We just gained some momentum and kept going and growing on this thing. And, you know, we're so blessed to have, have met so many awesome people and uh, have a lot of fans who, who love what we're doing. It's so great. Mm, really is. And so now we enter into our second year of Bad Crypto, and we're glad you're on the journey with us. And Rachel Wolfson, also on the journey with us, a crypto correspondent. She was recently in Malta, tiny little island. I mean, not like microscopically tiny, but it's a small island. Like how big is it in comparison to like Rhode Island? Uh, I think it's probably bigger than Rhode Island. And Rhode Island isn't. Well, quit know, insulting Malta like that. Isn't okay. even an island. Uh, but it's it's island. it's uh, it's near Greece, I learned. I didn't even know where Malta was. It's near Greece. And she... Like near Cyprus somewhere too, I bet? Yeah, yeah. She's super excited because Malta is definitely becoming the blockchain island and i think you're really going to enjoy this interview with silvio shambri so let's do it i'm here today in malta with a very special guest hello i'm silvio shambri i'm the junior minister responsible for financial services digital economy and innovation within the office of the prime minister of malta Exactly. So today we're going to be speaking about blockchain and cryptocurrency and what's going on in Malta and how and, and why Malta is becoming known as this blockchain cryptocurrency island. Well, yes, as a matter of fact, um, we wanted to actually analyze our economy at the moment. If, in order to give just a brief introduction about our economy, uh, we are experiencing a boom for the past 
four years. Actually, we are, uh, in terms of economic growth, Malt has been experiencing the biggest economic growth in Europe, having a surplus in our budget uh, for the past two years. And also our uh, government deficit has gone down from 70, about 75% uh, to just even below 55%. Having said that, our, if we were to look at the pillars of our economy, we see financial services, we see tourism, and we see gaming as three of the main pillars of our economy. And therefore, we wanted to look at into new economic areas to diversify more our services industry. Um, also to be more resilient to external shocks, but also to be in a position to offer a better ecosystem. So as I said, we have a strong financial services industry, a strong gaming industry, a very strong ICT infrastructure, and we've got talent. We have an English-speaking population. We are a member of the European Union. Uh, and we wanted to, to be also innovative and look into a, another new economy. I am an economist by profession. And I was elected into parliament uh, five years ago, uh, at the age of 27. And I was very into digital economy and, and, and I was looking forward into having my country pioneering this, this sector even further. And at that time I proposed, um, at the time I was occup I occupied the role of chairperson of the Financial and Economic Affairs Committee within the Parliament of Malta. And we looked into new economic niches on where Malta should uh, look and, and invest into. And we presented this document to the Prime Minister of Malta at that time, uh, Dr. Joseph Muscat. And uh, following that report, a snap election was called, and these proposals were then published in the Electoral Manifesto. Uh, basically, uh, the Labour Party won again the last general election, and the Prime Minister got obviously reconfirmed. And he told me, basically, now you, you propose them and you have to put them into practice. So that is how I found myself into this position, into actually implementing those measures and put them into reality. We started immediately uh, with uh, several meetings with different stakeholders. And uh, there we started to look what is needed for the industry to continue to flourish. And basically, the underlying understanding was that uh, the serious operators wanted legal certainty. And as everybody knows, the industry is operating in a vacuum at the moment. So operators are operating in jurisdictions where they don't know exactly what is legal and what is illegal or not regular, um, rather than illegal. And operators fear that come one day, uh, a government in that particular legislation can come on the operators and tell them, look, you are uh, not within the law, uh, although there is no law, but you are not within the law. And this is creating legal uncertainty. And uh, we thought that in being innovative 15 years ago in the gaming industry, we could replicate that formula, but maybe in a slightly different manner. Um, having the experience now of 15 years operating in the gaming industry, and given that this industry, the DLT areas, very technological based, so there are a lot of common aspects of this economy that are common to the gaming industry, we could replicate that success into the DLT blockchain sphere. And we came up after several uh, meetings with the operators and regulators, both locally and, and uh, foreign regulators, uh, with uh, these tribbles that 
uh, as an exclusive, I can tell you uh, that today, actually in few hours time, in one and a half hours or two hours, we would conclude the uh, second reading in Parliament for the tribals that would therefore make Malta the first country in the world to actually offer a holistic regulatory framework for DLT operations. That is not only for intermediaries dealing with virtual currencies, that is ICOs, exchanges, wallet providers, etc., but also for other products that deal or work on the technology, but not necessarily a financial product. So what we're, what we're providing here is first the first bill that will set up a new authority, a new ad hoc authority, that is the Malta Digital Innovation Authority. And the responsibility for this authority would be the certification of platforms, of DLT platforms, of, and the registration of system auditors. Then we would have the second bill that it will deal with technology arrangements, that is uh, DLT uh, arrangements, and then another bill that would deal with intermediaries dealing with virtual currencies that would be regulated under the Malta Financial Service Authority. So if I were to bring a practical example, what we're doing different from other countries and why we're given the title, so to speak, as the blockchain island, is that we are not looking at the short-term gains, but we are rather looking at the long-term uh, evolution of this technology and what this technology can offer in the long term. If, for example, we look, uh, let's take an issuance of an ICO. If you want to issue an ICO, uh, you present the white paper, whereby you will have the details of the ICO, like the prospectus of a normal issue. And in, in the present scenario, um, or what other jurisdictions are doing, are looking at what is written in the white paper, and okay, say it's fine, this is a nice document, etc. It is certified, and that's it. But actually, it's the technology behind that white paper that implement what is written on, 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 on that paper, and nobody's looking at the technology. So if the technology is flawed, basically the product will not deliver what is written in the white paper. And that is something that we're doing. So we're also looking at the technology part. And when operators were looking what we are proposing, they immediately realized that we delved into a lot of detail uh, into the subject. And uh, apart from applying the high-level principles of international and EU law, because, as you know, Malta is a European Union member country, and therefore the high-level principles of EU law are reflected into our law, we have also put as core three basic principles, so market integrity, consumer protection, and um, in, ter in terms of, of protection also for, for the industry. So basically those are the, pillar, the pillars upon which the, these bills are based. Ultimately, the, the ultimate aim is to bring uh, legal certainty in an environment that today is unregulated. So we would give, apart from certainty, we would, we would also give legitimacy to this industry. Uh, in doing so, although we propose the bills are, are, are um, robust, they also allow flexibility for this industry to flourish in the sense that um, instead of going for a rules-based rules approach, we went for a principles-based approach. And that, that was very welcomed 
by the industry. And that is why we uh, are in a situation today that uh, basically the major players or biggest names in the industry are looking Malta uh, to Malta as their home. Right. So if one of our listeners or someone out there wants to launch an ICO and they want to do it in Malta, what advice would you give to them? Well, basically, as I mentioned, today we would pass on the second uh, reading. In Malta, in order for a bill to be enacted into law, there are three stages. The first stage, the first reading, that is basically the announcement of the name of the bill. The second stage, second reading, which is the lengthest process, that is you go through the debates between the opposition and the government and all the members of parliament speaking about the, the bills. That will be concluded today. Um, I can also announce that we managed also to acquire political consensus on this uh, policy. So um, as was announced yesterday by the opposition, the opposition will also vote in favor of this policy, of these bills. So this is a message that we want to deliver to uh, the business community, to the blockchain community, that you are more than welcome here in Malta. Then we would pass a committee stage, which is going to be held uh, also this week. And eventually, um, ultimately, the last stage would be just the announcement of the bill. So we think that by next week, um, the bills will, will would have passed all the stages in Parliament and will be enacted into law. The law provides also for the effective date. So basically, the effective date would be the 1st of October, whereby in the 1st of October, um, the bills will be effective. So this would allow operators to view and review the bills and be able to be more in line with what we're proposing. Having said that, if an ICO, there's an issue, uh, a company would like to issue an ICO and registers in Malta within this period, um, that company would be allowed a total uh, amount of six months to be in line with the bills. And that period would be extended to one year for exchanges. This would allow operators to be able to obviously get in line with, with what we're proposing. And we're choosing the 1st of October because between the 3rd and the 5th of October, Malta uh, will uh, hold the government official summit, the Delta summit. And between the 3rd and 5th of October, whereby all the biggest players and key players of the blockchain sphere and thought leaders will be present there. We'll have the official opening by the Prime Minister. I'm also keynoting there. And uh, there will be players such as Binance, OKX, New Fund, and all the other major players that have announced that they will operate from Malta. It will also be the first opportunity where the new authority will be physically there, present, um, to mingle with, with people who are present there and start processing also application and, and, and et cetera. Have applications already started coming in for, or are you waiting? Well, applications cannot come in because the, the bills are not enacted right. yet. Okay. But obviously, there's a lot of interest. All those documents there <laughs> are proposals. So we're meeting with a very large number of companies um, which are coming from around the globe, mm -hmm. from America, from Europe, from Africa, Arab countries, so um, from all continents. They're coming to Malta, and yes, we're a lot of them are already starting registering companies here in Malta, 
recruiting people and obviously they have reviewed the bills and are getting in line with the bills. Right. What are the other benefits of being based in Malta? You know, even if you weren't like just what are the benefits for these crypto and blockchain players to come here? Yes, there are, I think, a lot of benefits. The major benefit is, I think, the the attitude of the government in the sense that here and uh, the, the attitude of, a, of our government is that of a can-do approach in the sense that if there's an operator that comes up with an idea, uh, as a government, we do not see the obstacles or the problems in implementing that idea, but rather what can we change, what can we do for that idea to be implemented? And that is uh, that there's political will to change, to disrupt, and to be to act as an enabler for operators to be op- operative here in Malta. Apart from the flexibility that that way we offer, in the sense that I don't think it is a common practice for other ministries to be able to set up a meeting with an operator within a couple of days. That is something that Malta, as a Maltese government, because we are very business friendly we tend to do in order to, to offer red carpet tre- treatment to investors who would like to invest in our country. Apart from that is the ecosystem that we're building. So as I mentioned before, Malta as a European Union member country, we have uh, English language as our second mother language. So basically uh, all Malta speak English. We have very talented people, highly skilled people, and then we have other complementary industries, such as the financial service industry and the gaming industry, which from recent studies, we have analyzed that basically 70% of the skills required from one industry are common. That is very basic. So if a person is working in the financial service industry, uh, that person already has 70% of the skills required in order to shift for the gaming industry and the same for the DLT. Apart from that, we are also at a very advanced stage in discussions with tier one uh, university, universities across the globe, and uh, that would set up shop also in Malta, and that would help to continue build up the talent uh, that we have here in Malta. Another point also, obviously, uh, in terms of, of taxation, we have a very competitive tax regime, which attracts, obviously, as well, other companies in, in, in operating from Malta. Um, but we are more interested in having an ecosystem as a whole package. So what we're doing here, apart from diversifying our economy, we are offering more than one reason for operators to operate from Malta. That is not because we have a very competitive tax regime or we have a wonderful country or we have nice weather or good food or good wine and everything, but because we have multiple other reasons. So you you operate from Malta because you have 10 to 20 reasons, not just one reason. And that is the the ecosystem that we are building here. Right. And you're close to major places like London and Switzerland. So it's just a really short flight away. Yes. Even uh, in terms of geographical position, Malta is in the center of the Mediterranean, which the Mediterranean is in the center of the world. So we can easily say that Malta is exactly at the center of the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, but at the same time, it is just 30 minutes flight to Sicily and less than one hour flight to, to Libya, to mm-hmm. Africa. Right. So we are in a position that we are trusted by Africans and trusted by Europeans. Um, we are 
uh, neutral country as well. And basically we have connections both with Europe and, and, and with Africa as well. And exactly as a geographical position, as you mentioned, we are just uh, three hours flight from London and uh, one hour flight, less than one hour flight from Africa. Wow. Yeah. So it's perfect. Great location. Yeah. Um, so you're saying you're calling yourselves the blockchain island. And so can you tell me a little bit about um, what you're doing with blockchain here? Yes. Um, apart from offering legislation for operators to operate in Malta, we also have uh, set our policy straight that we want to be a government powered by blockchain in the sense that we already a few months ago were the first government in the world to offer our students uh, certificates on the blockchain. So as from this, as from last scholastic year, we had the first students that had their certificates, their education certificates on the blockchain. So we have Bloxers. There was uh, an agreement with a private company that uh, US private company that uh, basically um, offered the service. Now we're moving ahead with other services. So the plan is for health, certain health services also to be on the blockchain, registries in Malta to be on the blockchain. And we will soon announce other projects that would go on this technology and more paperless <coughs> services, but more efficient services. Right. So are you hoping that when more people come and they launch their ICOs here, are you hoping that you're going to be able to actually use that here, what they're bringing, I guess? Or Well, then, as I mentioned before, it's an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So once you will have the system in place as a government, um, yes, we are already heading into that direction. But I do not see the biggest opportunity as the government services for private operators. The biggest opportunity lies within the operators per se that are here in Malta. For example, we mentioned that the biggest two com exchange companies, Binance and OKX, have already stated that they will operate from Malta, their head office. So imagine the opportunities, the collaboration uh, opportunities that other operators can have with, with these um, operators. It is something that um, it will be built together, uh, this ecosystem that one brings the other and the services offered by one operator um, are consumed by the other operator and the demand for one consumer is the supply of the other consumer. And this is a chain reaction. Apart from being the blockchain, we have a chain reaction as well. Mm -hmm. And the ripple effect, obviously. Right. So I want to talk a little <coughs> bit more about regulation because that's very interesting. Mm -hmm. In America, at least, a lot of people are scared to do ICOs because nobody knows what's what, like what the laws are. So do you think... Do you think regulation is good? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing, but can you elaborate on that? Well, if it is good or not, it is not me who can say. Obviously, I would say that it's good. Mm -hmm. But the very fact that a lot of operators are very eagerly looking forward for this legislation to be enacted, it says something. Um, right. So I think the answer is more from the announcements that other operators are making rather than myself. Obviously, mm -hmm. as a government, I've got intention to say that the regulation is good because right. apart from the fact that I believe that it is good, actually, I believe I think this is the best regulation uh, in this sphere. Mm -hmm. um, and it is the best regulation because we have not amended our present legislation to put particular products and fit it in our present legislation. We created an ad hoc legislation for this product. 
So, for example, other countries or other um, legislators are modifying their present um, legislation to fit for the present product. But I don't think that it is future-proof. This, this industry is very dynamic. We're speaking about blockchain today. Tomorrow we'll be speaking about Tangle. We'll be speaking about new innovative ideas, about new disruptive um, technologies. So you have to provide a legislation which is future-proof. For example, the Malta Digital Innovation Authority, um, the remit would not be only for DLT, but immediately, um, once this legislation will, will, will be enacted, that is in the next few days, we will start looking at AI. Actually, we have already started looking at AI, IoT, wearable uh, technologies, big data, and that would be within the remit of, of the MDIA, of the new authority. In fact, there's, we have already established an ethics committee within this authority. An ethics committee because one of the major issues with, with regards to AI are more ethical issues rather than economic issues. So, for example, um, I always give the, the practical example, huh? so to speak, if you have uh, an automated car, uh, which is also obviously have an AI um, aspect in it, and a toddler passes by in front of the car. The car is designed to, to, to not to, to hit the, the toddler, but if the choice is or to hit the toddler or to bump into a pole and kill the driver, what will the machine decide? Will it kill the toddler or will it kill the driver? And that is an ethical and moral issue. So these are things that we are already looking at. And uh, hopefully the same with it with blockchain and DLT will extend that into AI, IoT, wearable technology, big data, etc. Right. Sounds like a good plan. I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds great. So in terms of cryptocurrency, what are your what are your thoughts on Bitcoin and crypto? And is it being accepted anywhere in Malta right now? Yes. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, yes, there are certain... Um, there are restaurants, there are car dealers that are, that are accepting uh, Bitcoin cryptocurrency. But uh, I would not base on the fact that there are certain shops that accepting. I think the, the, the technology behind cryptocurrency uh, will make cryptocurrency or, or cryptocurrency are there to stay, whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's another cryptocurrency, it's, it's debatable. Um, Bitcoin obviously is the most famous, but there are other technologies uh, behind other cryptocurrencies which are very interesting as well. I would not market particular cryptocurrencies, but obviously there are interesting projects uh, as well going on. Obviously, there, there will be, how to speak, um, junk projects. Mm -hmm, of course. Uh, and there will be, for right. sure. There, will, there is always the bad apples. Uh, amongst the banks, but that is why we need regulation mm -hmm. and legislation right? Um, to be able to classify between good and bad apples. I mean, does it concern you at all that, I mean, I think the statistic is 90% or maybe even more ICOs are not legit. Like, does that concern you at all? I mean... Well, yes. And I think that was the re one of the main reasons why we opted for legislation. Right. As a matter of fact, even with uh, my European peers, this, this is one of the arguments I use. And when there are certain countries that say, look, cryptocurrencies are, are, are for money laundering or for 
I don't know, terrorism and, and all the bad things associated with, with the black economy. As far as I'm concerned, the money laundering activity that has been done so far was not done with crypto, but with fiat money. Hmm. So the argument that cryptocurrencies will bring money laundering is flawed in the sense that money laundering is already being done with fiat. Mm-hmm. And fiat is not traceable, while cryptocurrency is traceable. Having said that, if the connectors, the people behind that cryptocurrency have bad intentions, yes, there can be instances where these can be used for bad intentions. It is like having a knife to use it to eat or a knife uh, to use it to kill people. So it depends on the scope. Having regulation and having proper regulation that will not stifle innovation at the same time will address this issue. It's the same thing like we did with gaming. Gambling activity, gaming activity or proceeds from gambling activity can be used for money laundering if not operative in a robust regulatory framework such as ours. And the same can be said for this activity, for cryptocurrencies and for DLT. So this was the argument that we use with our European peers. And I I must say that uh, the direction from about a year ago, 10 months ago, has shifted more from banning towards regulation. In fact, now we can see that even other major countries are speaking about looking into the direction of regulating and offering a regulatory framework rather than regulating. So that this activity is operating within a regulatory framework. In the lack of that framework, yes, like any other activity in the world, can be used for bad purposes. No, I think it's wonderful what you guys are doing here because people, like I said, they're so frightened to do ICOs, but it's here and it's coming and crypto is here to stay. So we yeah. we need a place to come where we can't where we aren't gonna fear, you know, to pursue what we want to do. So what are what is Malta doing with Acronis? Well, uh, Acronis uh, is a very important player as well. We have already launched uh, together with Polaris uh, uh, Venture Capital, which is also available for Malta now. There are other projects which we are discussing with Acronis, but obviously this is something that can be divulged after um, this can be concluded, and maybe also it is maybe more appropriate to ask Acronis rather than, than, than ourselves. But Acronis, like many other partners, are working together with the government on different projects. Okay. Got it. And Acronis is cybersecurity for those listeners that don't know. Great. So is there any anything else you want to discuss or share with us while we're on the topic? No, well, basically, um, investors who would like or who operate in the DLT sphere, uh, the ultimate message is that they are welcome, Malta. They are welcome because we think that we have the best legislative framework that a country can offer. But apart from that, the government has got this can-do approach and uh, very business-friendly because we believe uh, in this industry that this industry uh, is is the future and the future is digital. Right. And I mean, this is my first time in Malta and I love it so far. So I can say that it would be an amazing place to come and do an ICO and (laughs) build upon blockchain and all that. I'm sure that you need only once to come to Malta. Once there's the first time, you'll never go back. Yeah, I agree. It's fun. 
Okay. Well, great. Thank you so much. And, um, you know, I'm sure our listeners are thrilled that we have you here. So thank you for joining us. I hope, Mr. Travis Wright, that we get to visit the blockchain island. I'm kind of jealous that Rachel got to go. Yeah, it's like like Malta and that area. There's like from Greek mythology, like Minos and all those other ones or whatever. Those like there could have been like some real like mythology stuff taking place there on that island. There's like mm-hmm. that's an old island there south of Italy in Sicily. You know, what would be really cool would go and do a blockchain event in Malta and then go and take a Tunisian tour where you go do a Star Wars thing. You get a tattoo. <laughs> And get a Put tattoo. Put get a tattoo blockchain. and tattooing. Well, I know that we are going to make it there someday. I do believe, but for now, we hope that you guys enjoyed that interview. Lots more great content coming your way right here on this one and only Bad Crypto Podcast, the blockchain show, unlike any other. I, you know, we carved a niche, Travis, without even intending to. You can make it here. You can make it anywhere. I mean, honestly, let's say somebody, so a couple guys or a couple gals are like, hey, let's do a blockchain show, but let's be funny and snarky and ridiculous. Like automatically, those those poor people are going to get compared to us. Well, there was a dude that came up to us and said, oh, man, you know what? I was thinking about doing a podcast, like a comedic, you know, blockchain, Bitcoin pot. And then I saw you guys were doing it and I was like, uh. Like Mike said that. Mike somebody. Mike, what's Mike, his name? Mike somebody. That was his last name. Uh, there is Mike somebody. There's room for more. Where you know, come on in. The water's fine. There's only one Mr. Joel Com though. There's only one Mr. Joel Com. Mm-hmm. Um, there are two. There are 567 Travis Wrights. <laughs> and, and, and we have to meet them all. There's there's another one that actually lives on my street. That's weird. I know. Literally, I, I started getting mail from like two houses down, and I was like, what? Why am I getting address to this address? And I go and knock on the door. I'm like, is Travis right here? He's like, yeah, that's me. I'm like, no, that's me. We're going to have a duel. We're going to go outside at high noon. I'm the Travis right on this block. And, uh, hey, thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to follow, share, subscribe, and uh, pick up a friend's phone. And I'm the Travis right on this block. <laughs> I'm like, Maybe you should just go ahead and stuff your sandwich in your mouth again, Travis. The real so, Travis Stay bad. <laughs> Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.